My name is Alex Sarosa, and I'm one of our pastors here at New Life. I just wanted to start by just welcoming you to service with us today. This is your first time here. I just want you to know that we've been praying and planning for your arrival. And we're just so thankful that you decided to invest some of your time with us. If this may be your return here, you haven't been here in a little bit, we're just so thankful you decided to invest some of your day with us. And if you're here all the time, we're just appreciative of, of that as well. Today, we are kicking off a series called Holy Moments. Before we get into it, I just wanted to just point out, because I think it's super cool, uh, Gabe, who was singing right here, and Aaron, who's currently on the camera, and Alvin, who's not here today, I'm sure he'll be here tomorrow. They put this whole design back here together, and there's like curtains that which have lights, and there's paintings, and there's glitter, and there's just, it's really cool. We could just give them a round of applause for just the effort they did. I think it looks great. Appropriate for uh, this season. So we're talking about holy moments. And why moments? Because it's been said before that life isn't always measured in days or weeks or months or years, but often it's measured in moments, which we find true a lot of times. It's hard to remember a whole day, let alone a whole week or month or year, but we remember and we treasure moments. For example, in my life, I don't exactly remember what day of the week it was uh, or really what month it was, but I remember the moment when I met Rachel, who is now my wife. I was on a porch at a summer camp and someone introduced me as the guy that's single, which was very nice by him. I appreciated that. And it gave me like a nice, easy entry into to talking about that. I remember also the moment where I was in Haiti on a mission trip. I had been dating Rachel for a couple of months at that point and it just hit me. It's like, wait you're going to marry Rachel Martin someday. She didn't know it, but I knew it. And, uh, and then it happened uh, a couple years later. I remember the moment when our children were born, especially the first one, because that's the one like you're most wait, anticipating. You're so excited for the other two. You're like, you know what? If you want to take a couple more days, that's fine. But that first one, we were just so excited. I remember Ezra just holding him. And thankfully, that memory is just really good because he didn't cry at all. He just looked at me just with these bright blue eyes. And that moment. It was just obvious that life wouldn't be the same, and I was perfectly cool with that. I remember a moment when I was leading youth group, and I met a student named Chris Brown. I had walked downstairs to the youth room, and he had just arrived, picked up a football, and broke a lamp. And so I thought it'd be funny to call him Lampshade. I don't know why, but I thought it'd be funny to kind of like uh, make it a joke of what he did to make sure he knew I wasn't super mad at him. But Lampshade is what we called him from then on. I also remember the time where I was in a car with Lampshade, and he let me know that his mother had died from an, in an early age from the disease Huntington's and how he was terrified to find out if he also had that same disease. I also remember the moment sitting beside his hospital bed as he ended the, the fight with Huntington's disease and as he, he passed away. Life isn't always measured in days or weeks or months or years. It's often measured in moments. Because that is true, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Christmas story through that lens. Over these next four weeks, we're going to look at four holy moments, four things that happened that were pivotal in bringing up about Jesus on this earth. And today, we're going to be talking about Joseph. And we're going to be talking about a moment he had of obedience. That was a challenging moment, but a decision he made to follow God, even when it wasn't the easy thing to do. 
And to talk about this message, I want to go right into our take-home point. It's the main point that this message is all about, and it's this. We have no idea what God can do through one moment of obedience. We have no idea what God can do when we are obedient to him in just one moment. And some of us know this to be true. Maybe there's a time where God has prompted you. Maybe you're reading God's word, you're listening to a message, or a godly friend told you something, and, or maybe you're just in prayer and the Holy Spirit was communicating with you and God distinctly told you to do something. And you were like, man, this isn't convenient, but I'm going to do it. And you obeyed. God told you to say something or to give something or to do something, and you did it. And you've looked back on that moment with fondness, seeing what God has done from one act of obedience. Maybe you were able to see it that moment, or maybe it was years later when you finally saw the fruit of it and said, wow, God did a lot with one simple act of obedience. Some of us know this to be true because of the inverse, where God has prompted us to do something, maybe to say something or to give something or to do something, and it just seemed too hard, it seemed too challenging. And there was excuses in the way, so we said no. And then maybe it was that day where we got home and said, man, I should have talked to that person or I should have prayed for them. And we have wondered, what kind of blessings did we miss out on because we weren't obedient in that moment? But here's the truth. There are times where God will prompt us. And I believe that because God wants to partner with us on this earth. That was his design for humanity. And Jesus made it possible for us to interact with God at all times. And God wants to partner with you and I. So there's gonna be times where he prompts us in whatever way he decides he wants to. And in some of those moments, it's gonna be challenging to obey. And that's why the title of this message today is When It's Hard to Obey, because sometimes it's gonna be difficult, but we don't know what God can do through one act of obedience. We don't know how we can partner with his kingdom work on this earth that will reverberate through eternity. And so to talk about this, we're going to dive right in to God's word, and we're going to look at what Joseph did, his act of obedience, and, and the challenges that laid before him, and how he was able to respond to God. But before we do that, would you please pray with me? Dear God, right now, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be among us. I pray that you'll speak through me, get me out of the way, and allow it to be your spirit speaking to us right now. I pray that whatever it is you want to prompt us to do today or tomorrow or in the future, God, I pray that you'll give us the strength and the ability to be obedient so we can see and be a part of your kingdom work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 right now. It says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we generally know more about Mary than we do about Joseph. There's a lot have been said about Mary. There's songs about Mary, but we don't know a ton about the earthly father of Jesus. And that's generally because there isn't a lot written about him. But there are some things in God's word that we discover when we look at it. So let's look at five things that help us understand a little bit more about Joseph before we look into what this decision was and how he made it. So the first thing is this. Joseph was a carpenter. It's important to know that Joseph wasn't a rabbi or a priest. 
He had a job that worked with his hands and he provided for his family in that way. He was a normal guy and God wanted to use him for a mighty purpose. The second thing, Joseph was a righteous and faithful man. We know that because right after the verse that we just read, Matthew 1.18 is Matthew 1.19. In Matthew 1.19, it says this, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Other translations say that Joseph was a man who followed the law, that he knew God's word and he followed them. He was a righteous man. And because of that, when this challenging decision that we're going to focus on just a moment, when it came to him, he decided to act in such a way that showed love to both God and to Mary. Let's look at a couple other things about Joseph that we know. One, or three rather, Joseph was Mary's husband. We know that. Joseph was Mary's earthly father. And five, Joseph was a descendant of David. Now, that, all of these are important, but that last one, as I reflected on this message, just stood out as more and more important to the story of Jesus. Why? Because prophets long ago, hundreds of years before Jesus walked this earth, said that Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, was going to come from the line of David. And who came from the line of David as well? Joseph. The beginning of the book of Matthew, we actually see that David, his line stretches all the way back to Abraham, which Abraham was told one time that his children would be as numerous as the, the stars in the sky. And so you can trace it all the way from Abraham to David, all the way to Joseph. And why is that important? Because when Joseph decided to bring Mary and Jesus into his family, he grafted them into the line of David, helping fulfill this prophecy. Also, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Micah talked about where the Savior, Jesus, would be born. He said this in Micah 5.2, But you, O Bethlehem Ephratath, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. A ruler, and that was Jesus, from the distant past. Why? Because Jesus has always existed, so distant past makes sense. He would come out of Bethlehem. And this is important because David was from Bethlehem. And so Joseph's ancestral city was Bethlehem. And that's important because right before Mary was to give birth, there was a census in the land that everyone had to return to their ancestral homes. And because Joseph brought them into the line of David, that meant they had to go to Bethlehem. And we see this in Luke. Uh, Luke records this in Luke 2, 3 through 5. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. So Joseph also helped bring about this prophecy because of who he was. Sure, he didn't make himself a descendant of David, but he was faithful in this choice to bring Mary into the family. And it wouldn't have been an easy choice. See, Joseph found out from Mary that she was pregnant with a child, and he knew that that was not his child. And this was a huge deal. To understand really the magnitude of this thing, we got to understand a little bit more about Joseph and how it came to be. 
So Joseph and Mary were probably young. Historians think that Mary was around 14 years old, 13 to 15, because that's generally the age people got married. And so she was around that age, and Joseph was probably young as well. It's also important to know in history that when two people were engaged. It wasn't like today. It wasn't like you just got a ring and then you took some pictures and you put it on Instagram and maybe you had a party and that signified the engagement. Back then, it was a legal agreement. When you were engaged, you were basically married. You just couldn't consummate the marriage with the gift of sex. You had to wait until there was a public ceremony declaring your marriage. So you were married, basically, in most realms. And in the legal mind, you were married. So this is why it was such a scandal. If Mary had committed adultery, slept with someone else, and that's how she got pregnant, it was a scandal. And it would have been a scandal that would have ruined Joseph. It would have made him be mocked and ridiculed and laughed at in his community, but also it would have meant that she disobeyed God and disobeyed her husband as well. So Joseph had a couple choices. He could have gone and enacted the law from Deuteronomy chapter 22, And by doing that, he could have had her stoned. He also could have brought her in front of the community and made sure that everyone knew that she was guilty and he was not. Doing so would bring honor back to his name and restore his reputation, but it would leave her in anguish for the rest of her life. It would generally mean that she would have to go and beg or turn to a life of prostitution to bring about food for her family. So Joseph, this righteous man, was in a bind. He was in a situation where he wanted to honor God, but he also wanted to honor Mary. And so he decided that he was going to break off this engagement quietly so that she wouldn't be ridiculed, but he wouldn't lose his reputation as well. But then an angel appeared to Joseph. And this is what it says in Matthew 1, 20 through 21. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I'm not sure if Joseph would have identified this moment as an opportunity for God to bring about one of Joseph's most holy moments probably was a very low moment trying to decide what to do. And then this angel appeared and he told him where this baby had come from. And before we look and to see what Joseph did in response, let's actually focus a little bit on what Joseph did not do. Because there's a couple of things he didn't do that he could have done. The first thing is this, Joseph didn't explain away the dream. He didn't explain away the dream. He could have. He could have woke up and been like, oh, man, that was a weird dream. Maybe I ate some bad falafel last night. I just wasn't feeling good and just gone about his business normally. But he didn't, exp- didn't explain away the dream. Joseph also didn't argue with God. He didn't fight with him. He, said, he didn't say, God, you're trying to make me go and do something that will ruin, tarnish my name. No way. He didn't argue with God. Joseph also didn't negotiate with God. He didn't say anything like, well, okay, if you perform a couple miracles just to let me know that you truly are God and that you really want this to happen, then I'll do it. Or he didn't say like, okay, God, but you have to promise that someday I'm going to be rich and this is going to pay out for me. He didn't negotiate with God. Joseph also didn't ask for all the details. 
He didn't ask for all the details. I like to make decisions when they're well-informed. I like to know all the details. I like to ask a bunch of questions before I make a decision. And Joseph didn't. He didn't go and say, okay, well, tell me all the, the what, the how, the when, the for what reason. He didn't do any of that. Instead, he simply obeyed. And this is what is recorded by Jesus' disciple Matthew, Matthew 1:24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. When he woke up, he decided to obey. He decided to obey. He didn't have all the details. And this is a really important thing that Joseph taught us, that we don't have to have all the details to respond in obedience immediately. We can still respond to God when he prompts us, even though we don't have all the details. And this is what Joseph did. He would have had no idea what was about to happen. He wouldn't have known that there was going to be a census that he had to take his nine-month pregnant wife all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. He wouldn't have known that when they got there, there wasn't any room for them and they had to go to a barn and his son, the son of God, would be born into a feeding trough. He wouldn't know that. He wouldn't know that after a little while, Herod would put out a decree that all children, all boys from two and under would be killed and that they would have to pick up their family and flee to Egypt. Yet even though he didn't know any of that stuff, he decided to obey And that's something that I would love to be able to say about each of us. That even when we don't know the details, when we don't know all the things that God has before us, but we would still obey. That we'd still take these moments and these steps of obedience, even when we don't see the future because we know and we trust that what God has for us is the best. For instance, for us, God will prompt us at different times. Whether we're reading God's word or through a mentor, or through a message or through the Holy Spirit, there will be times where God does prompt us. In those moments, God will give us a choice because he gives us a choice whether to obey or not. So how does this apply to us? Well, maybe God is asking you right now. He's been prompting you for a little while or maybe it's as we speak that God wants you to serve him in some way in the church. That there's something that's been on your heart that God's saying like, hey, you're gifted musically. You're gifted in relationally and you need to, to serve me in this way. After all, we're not supposed to simply go to church because we are the church. God has called us to be the church. So God is putting something on your heart, but you have all these reasons to say no. And they're good excuses. You're busy. I get it. We're busy. It makes sense. Maybe your kids have a lot of activities or maybe work just has been going late a lot recently. And let's be honest, Things like Facebook and Instagram don't just scroll themselves. So there are things on our place that sometimes seem just inevitable, that we can't move out of the way. But God's saying, I know it's going to be a sacrifice, and you won't even see the fruit right away, but I'm asking you to serve me with your life, with your time, with your talent, with your treasure, with your touch, whatever it is, God's asking you. So how will we respond? Or maybe God's asking you to give. Maybe give to the church or give to someone in need. Especially this time of year, God's saying, I want you to partner with me with your finances. I want you to trust me with what I have given you. And there will be good excuses. There'll be reasons to say no. Money is tight and gas is expensive and inflation is real and interest is rising and we could come up with all the excuses, but God says, I know it will be a sacrifice, but I want you to trust me and I want you to partner with me and take the step of obedience and we'll have a choice whether to obey or not. Or maybe someone has wronged you in the past or they will wrong you in the future 
And when that happens, we'll have a choice, whether to hold that resentment or to forgive them. But then maybe God's word pierces your heart. After all, Paul said this to the church in Ephesus. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And so maybe... You've done all the right things and they're in the wrong, but God prompts you to say, you gotta go make amends to make peace with that person. You gotta go and show them the love of Jesus. After all, Jesus has forgiven us and we'll have a choice. Do we obey or do we not? And in those moments, sometimes it's easy to focus on, but what will happen next? But we won't always know. So it's important for us to remember that obedience is our responsibility. The outcome belongs to God. We don't know what God can do through one moment of obedience, but God can do tremendous things when we decide to obey and get in line with the plan that he has for you and I. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe there's a relationship that you're in, whether you're dating or you have a friendship that God's saying, this isn't the best for you. Maybe there's a toxic relationship and God is saying, I need you to get out of that so you can see my plan more clearly in your life. But you say, man, I've invested so much time and I just frankly don't want to be alone. We'll have a choice. I got to live this out in 2011. I was working in a church in a small town and there was no one near my age and I hadn't dated anyone in a while. And I started to see my friends get married or get engaged or just even be in serious relationships. And I thought, man, I want that for me as well. Started asking God, give me a spouse. I want to be married. And so I was looking around. I couldn't see anyone around my age. And then walks in someone that liked me enough that she started to pursue me. And I know it doesn't make any sense, but it was happening. And I was excited. I was like, all right, well, someone likes me. Then this must be providence from God. So we started talking, but it became very clear very early in the relationship that our mindset regarding God and our values and our goals were completely different. That I wanted to follow God. I was a pastor at the time and and she did not want anything to really do with a life with God. But I was lonely at that time and although I should have seen the warning signs, I continued on the path of entertaining this relationship. Well, at some point, God prompted me to end it. And I didn't listen. I ended up scheduling a date. And when that date came, that day, God again prompted and said, end this relationship. And I was like, well, we haven't even done a date yet. What's the harm in it? But it overwhelmed me, so I canceled that last moment. And I thought, okay, well, that's for sure done. If you cancel on someone last moment for the first date without any reason, you're never gonna talk to them again. But she still pursued me, which again, I don't know. I have no idea why that happened. I am clueless, but she did. And I thought, well, okay, well, maybe, maybe I heard wrong. You know, you can kind of rationalize things. Maybe I was, maybe I was just nervous. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was me and, and not God saying that. So I continued to entertain it. Well, this moment happened where uh, I, was, I was given a chance to speak at a camp. I was, I was given a phone call one day and said, your, your buddy Mark Lutz suggested that, that you would be a good speaker for this camp, so would you speak? I know it's last minute, the camp starts next week. But I was like, sure. I mean, I didn't have kids or a spouse at that time, so I said, sure, why not? I'll go to the camp and I'll speak next week. And so I got ready and I got to this camp and I was preparing. And this whole time I was texting, I was interacting with this girl that I knew God was saying, get out of this relationship. And finally, I was preparing a message to speak. And I felt God saying, how are you going to call someone to obedience when you won't listen to me? 
I was like, ah, oh, shoot. Okay, well, um, fine. And so I, which this is, this is how you get completely out of relationship. I ended it over text, so, uh, which is low, taking the low road. But uh, I didn't know what else to do. So I texted, and that wasn't my best moment, but it ended things completely. We haven't talked since. And I thought, all right, God, I did it, but I'm mad. I wasn't happy with God because I had no idea what would come next. Like, all right, God, now I'm just going to be single forever. Why did you tell me to do that? But I didn't know that at that camp, as one of the counselors was a girl named Rachel Martin, that I would get to know during that camp, that I would not have thought about dating if I was thinking about this relationship. And by the end of the week, I got her contact information, it was pretty cool, and we ended up going on a date. And then through that dating process, one of the days, because not only did that act of obedience lead to us dating, which eventually led to us being married and having some kids together, but during that dating, I look back at that, and she, Rachel, is one of the most talented singers of all time, honestly. She's amazing. And so I wanted to impress her one day on a date. So on a date, I brought my guitar, and I thought, well, she's really good at singing, so I'm going to show off my singing prowess as well. And so we played, and at the end of it, uh, after the song, I said, like, Rachel, you sound amazing. And then I waited because it was kind of one of those like boomerang encouragements, like you hope that it comes right back at you. And, uh, and she said, thanks. And I was like, okay, well, um, how did you think my voice, I just went right for it. How did you think my voice sounded in that song? And she said, I could really tell that you love the Lord. And that was one of those where it's like, do you find me attractive? And they're like, you have a great personality. And I was crushed. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you didn't hit any of the right notes. So um, and my wife is honest, uh, and she was back then. And I was frustrated in that moment, but then I thought about it more. I was like, I want to learn. And so I was like, would you please give me some voice lessons because you're so talented? And so I would come over, and she would help me to learn how to sing. Well, eventually, I got more and more confident in singing that I started to lead worship at different places, which was pretty cool opportunity to do. And then I got a job opportunity at New Life, and I got a job opportunity to lead worship and to work with the senior high students. And I look back at that and I go, wow, if I hadn't met Rachel, she hadn't taught me how to sing or even just opened my eyes to the fact that I was awful at it, would I have ever felt confidence, would have been misguided confidence, would they have ever hired me to do a job where I got to lead worship? I don't know, but I don't think so. And I look back at that and I, I start to realize that, okay, well, that job led to a different job and leads to, to where I'm at today. And as I get to walk into this role of lead pastor next month, which is crazy to think about, I, I look back at that one act of obedience that felt frustrating where I didn't know what would happen next. But God said, take this step with me. And we just don't know what God can do through an act of obedience. And we also have to understand that when God calls us to something, there will be some unknown. We won't have all the details. It won't be all squared away. There'll be things that he knows about the future that we won't, but he's gonna ask us to obey anyway. There also will be times when God asks us to obey and it will seem like there's just too many hazards in the way. That there might be spiritual persecution, or maybe God saying, hey, don't go to this party, and you're going to say, I know that my friends are going to make fun of me, or break up with this person. You can say, I know I'm going to be alone, or they're going to, God's going to say, get off this social media, delete it from your life, and you're going to say, but I'm going to miss out on something, and there's going to be some kind of sacrifice, but God's asking you to partner with his eternal plan for history, and God wants to do something special in your life, to partner with you in what he has planned for eternity. And God's going to ask us, will you obey? 
even though there might be sacrifice and unknown. We saw this with Pastor Chris Marshall and Nancy as they started New Life. 2001, they were working in a different church but made a decision out of obedience. They decided that they wanted to be part of a church that completely focused on God's word, that they spoke biblical things, even when those biblical things were hard. So they left a job that was secure, that was comfortable, and they had no idea what would be next. And thanks be to God that they did that because doing that allowed them to follow God's plan for new life. And through a cascading number of events that included God's glory and miracles, we get to be here today. And generations have been impacted by their decision to obey. And generations are going to continue to be impacted in the future. We just don't know. We don't know what God can do through an act of obedience. And so I pray for us this week when God does prompt us, and I believe God still speaks today. So when God prompts us to do something, we would have the strength to obey, and we can live that out with today's next step, which says, I will obey what God tells me to do this week, even when I don't have all the details for what will happen next. And we won't. Joseph didn't. He didn't have all the details for what was about to happen in his life, but he obeyed anyway. Thanks be to God. He doesn't always leave us completely in the dark, and he didn't leave Joseph completely in the dark as well. We read this earlier, but Matthew 121 said, and she, meaning Mary, will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that's what happened. And that's why Jesus was sent to this earth, to die and to rise again so that we could be reunited in this relationship with God. And it's amazing how God brought it about that he, with the Holy Spirit, impregnated Mary in such a way that Jesus did not have the sin nature that we have. He didn't inherit that sin nature from Joseph or from anyone. He had the nature of God. And so when he was born, he, Jesus, was perfect. And he lived a perfect life. And because of that, he was able to die as a perfect sacrifice for you and I. And so because of that, when we call upon the name of Jesus, all of our sins are removed. Nothing that we do can out sin his grace. And so whatever it is in your life that you're holding on to that you think, man, this is too bad. God died for that. Jesus died for that for you. And so we can give that today and say, Jesus, thank you for that forgiveness, for your sacrifice, and we can embrace that relationship with Jesus. If you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've never asked him to to take those sins away, we're here at New Life, we say it's as simple to do that. It's as simple as A, B, and C. It starts by simply admitting who we are, that we're sinners, that we fall short of his perfect standard, but that he is the Savior of the world. That's why he came, to save us from sin and death. Then we believe in Jesus as our Lord, our Master, our Owner, our God, and our Savior. And then we confess not only our sins, but our need for Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so right now, what we're going to do is have a moment of prayer. You have a moment to ask God to come into our lives. And if you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'd encourage you to pray this prayer alongside me, to make this prayer your own, to speak to the God of the universe who's right here. And after we do that, we're going to celebrate together in the Lord's Supper. So right now, would you please pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for being here in the room. I pray right now for anyone in here that doesn't yet know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that they will say this prayer to you right now. And we know that you'll hear us as we say, dear God, I believe you are the one true God. I believe Jesus, your son, came, died, 
and rose again from my sins. Become Jesus, become my Lord and my Savior today. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new creation. Help me to live as you have called us to live. And Holy Spirit, fill me and guide me every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. And dear God, for all of us, whatever that sin is that we just are dealing with right now, maybe it's a habitual one we keep coming back to or it's one that we just think is too bad. God, I pray that you would just take that out of our lives right now and remind us of the love that you have for us, that out of your love, you enter this world in human form so that we can know you and we could come into this relationship with you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.